We talk about leader isn't about a title or an age. It's about how you as a leader respond, impact others, make other people feel. Hi, I'm Julia Van Graaf, co-founder of Speak. Think about what is the impact I have on them? What difference do I make for them, their care, their outcomes, etc.? Because that is leadership, is the impact you have on them. Hi, I'm Steph Clark from Speak, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Are leaders born or are they made? Is there a capacity in all of us to lead? Leadership can be a difficult concept for some people to embrace, even those who already act as leaders at work or in their everyday life. Embracing the fact that anyone can lead and that leadership is an extension of effective communication can help pharmacists uncover their leadership potential. Julia Van Graa and Steph Clark from Speak are here today to talk to us about how communication and leadership are two sides of the same coin and both are needed to deliver optimal patient outcomes. Here's Julia and Steph. Steph and Julia, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Firstly, Jules, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your professional background and what Speak is all about? So I'm a third-generation chartered accountant um, and worked out very quickly on that it was all about the people. Um, Spent most of my career in professional services um, and particularly over the last sort of 10 years I've been taking interim leadership roles uh, in turnaround and crisis situations. Um, Founded Speak uh, two years ago um, with a couple of colleagues who I'd worked with for a number of years because we believe leadership makes the difference. Um, And so we provide through Speak a range of hands-on leadership support, uh, facilitation and leader and team development programs um, to support leadership teams um, who want their organisations to hit their potential. And Steph, what's been your experiences and pathway into your role at Speak? I am a recovering accountant is how I like to describe myself. So I also learned pretty early on that accounting is actually less about the spreadsheets for me and maybe a bit, a bit more about post-it notes. So I transitioned my career into more of a learning and development field and um, a facilitator. So I, I like to say or describe my the work I do as helping teams do better teams. So I predominantly work with teams facilitating experiences to help them communicate better and have the conversations that they need to as much as sometimes those uh, maybe uncomfortable ones to, to reach their potential and, and to perform as they would like to at their best. So Steph, strong leadership has always been an integral part of any successful team, but I'm sure that you would agree that the concept of leadership has evolved considerably over the last decade or so alongside our rapidly changing world. And it feels like I use that word rapidly quite lightly in the current context. How has this changing landscape impacted the styles and strategies of leadership that we see today? And has this influenced how you would redefine or define leadership now yourself? I look back over my career and it's actually a really interesting thought experiment to do, I I feel, to actually look back at who were your leaders when you first started and, and who did you look up to and what were the characteristics and the behaviours that made them 
leaders and what made them effective and, what, and maybe what you didn't like about working with them. And certainly when I look back over the last sort of, you know, naming no names, obviously, when I look back over the last kind of 10, 15 years of my career and, and think about the different transitions I made and the different leaders I had, it's really interesting for, for my own reflection to think about what were the different styles and what was it that I found actually off-putting, particularly about some of the leaders I had early on, or certainly those who were at the top of the tree in terms of or the top of the pyramid in terms of, of their position, and some of the things that um, probably stopped me wanting to career, continue those career paths. And it's interesting when I think about, actually a lot of that came down to how they were measured in terms of what they re were rewarded for in terms of their leadership style. Look, I think if we look kind of more broadly rather than just my own experience, even reading management or leadership books from the last 10 years versus the last 20 or 30 or even beyond number of years, you can see that that real shift from probably more of a command and control style of leadership, which may, you know, some may argue is more management than leadership, into something that's a bit more, for want of a better word, a bit more human. Jules, it sounds like leading, particularly if it changes so much, might not be something that comes naturally to everyone. That command and control might have been natural for people 10 to 20, 30 years ago, but maybe not so much now. Pharmacists effectively act as leaders in their pharmacies by being that key person that everyone needs to go to to get advice and, and direction from. They own the business but so many people don't really want to take on that, and I'm using air quotes here, that leadership title because they don't think they're able to lead. What's your thoughts on that? Particularly for professions where there's that technical expertise. So um, I think it's been the same um, for me coming in, into the profession as an accountant and, and presumably the same for pharmacists where they are seen as the expert for their technical knowledge. And so I think there's a trap for people where they can fall into that manager type role and they feel like they have to have all of the answers all of the time. Um, whereas when I think about what, what a leader is and, and to Steph's point about, you know, looking at leaders in your career, um, the, the leaders that have stood out for me are those who have actually had a really big impact on me personally. Um, and so when I, when I hear people say, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready to be a leader yet or I don't think I'm able to lead, um, I'd encourage people to think less about it being a title and, you know, the top of a hierarchy and more about what's the impact that you can have on your team. Um, so asking yourself questions like who, who am I as a leader and um, what is it that drives me in terms of personal values and how can I make people feel? Um, one of the things I think is really helpful uh, when you're thinking through who you are as a leader and what, what style it is, is thinking, is, you know, this concept of perspective taking. So, you know, who are the different groups of people that you'll be influencing um, in your role as a leader? So, you know, you'll have your team, your pharmacy team, you'll have patients, um, you'll have people coming in from the general community to ask questions. Um, so there is a different role that each of those people is looking for from a leader. And the question I would have is, what is it, if you were in one of those um, different stakeholder groups, what is it that you would want from a leader? And that's really what I, what I encourage people to have a think about. 
um, when they're grappling with this concept of leadership and am, am I capable? Um, there's lots of technical skills, uh, you know, lo lots of books written about the technical skills of leadership. Um, but for me, when you boil it down, it's really about how do you connect with other people and how, how do you lead other people? So it's about that connection bit and finding potential in, in people. It's a great segue into my next question. Steph, Jules just spoke about it being people thinking of it less as, as a title. So adding to that, what would you say to pharmacists who don't see themselves as leaders at, and they see themselves more as those technical people in those roles is leadership something people can learn or is it something you're just you just kind of fall into and you're assigned it so to speak and that's it and you just do your best as you see fit i do think there are some people who become accidental leaders and that's probably to jules's point around you're you're doing good or you're doing well as a as a technical expert or as a specialist in a, in a certain area and then all of a sudden the the role of leader is thrust upon you and, and maybe without you realizing it or requesting it. So if you are in a position where you're not seeing or you don't identify yourself as a leader, actually the, the term leader itself just feels a bit too too big for you. I'd actually bring it back to the to almost the point Jules is making around who are you making a difference to? Because coming back to that impact you have on others or influence you have on others, be it your pharmacy team, be it your patients, be it other healthcare providers in your in the community or in the network, that's that's where you should start and we need to start and think about what is the impact I have on them? What difference do I make for them, their care, their outcomes, etc.? Because that that is leadership, is the impact you have on them. So I think if you've gone through that that technical field and, and you're you're struggling with the concept of leader, think beyond boss. And I think that's where a lot of people get start to feel uncomfortable with the, the idea of, of leader as they see it as quite hierarchical and, and a bit a bit oppressive rather than actually it's something that's incredibly empowering and and one or and something that can allow you to to really make a, a big impact for a positive reason. I love that point that you made towards the end there. So Jules, effective communication really is the backbone of leadership. In theory, since pharmacists communicate with their patients all day, every day, they put them at ease, they, they help make them feel comfortable about their situations and their medications and their treatment and their management. We just expect many of them to just simply be good at communicating with their staff, that those skills are going to be really easily transferable to a different audience. And I'm sure in your varied experience, you have come across people who are maybe great communicators with their peers, but as soon as they need to step up into that that leadership position, they clam up and, and they have trouble communicating with them from a different perspective. Do you have any tips for people who are maybe uncomfortable bringing that concept of leadership into their conversations with their team? Absolutely. The first thing I'd say around that is uh, it's completely normal to feel uncomfortable having some of the more difficult conversations. And I think that's part of, you know, just getting it out there for people to understand that not every conversation or communication you will have is going to be easy and comfortable for you. But I think understanding that is actually gives you some comfort as an individual that it's okay, I'm going to have some conversations that are going to be much easier for me to have and I'm going to have other conversations that I'm really going to have to plan for um, and think through carefully about how do I want to do this as a leader. Um, 
we talk about, you know, leader isn't about a title or an age. It's about how you as a leader um, respond, impact others, make other people feel. And so we know, you know, regardless of culture, regardless of gender, regardless of role, regardless of industry, everyone has these same issues around feeling uncomfortable, particularly with difficult conversations. Um, Brené Brown, in her research um, that she did a couple of years ago, which led to her, her book, Dare to Lead, um, actually ran, went and ran um, a study on the future of leadership. And um, it ended up being the future of leadership was we need more brave and courageous leaders. But one of the things that she did in her hundreds um, and thousands of pieces of data that she received from leaders in all different walks of life um, was to ask them what gets in the way of leading bravely. And the thing, the most common um, sort of symptom that people came up with as, as what got in the way was actually the, the inability to have difficult conversations. And so when you think about that, it's we, we all have the best of intentions and we want to, you know, be able to communicate well all the time. But we know, you know, you can feel the sensations in your body when you're going in to have a difficult conversation. You can feel sensations in your body um, responding. And it's just a recognition that you will have stress triggers, for instance, coming up in your body. Um, I, I've had in various points in time in my career where, you know, for instance, I've it's been much easier for me to go and have communications with a client or for a pharmacist, for instance, having communications with a patient. Um, but it's those relationships in my team where I've had to give feedback conversations that have been some of the most challenging. And it's not challenging because I don't know how to say it. It's challenging because um, I want to get it right. Um, I don't know how the other person's going to respond. And so we've really got to embrace the vulnerability in going into these conversations that we're doing it with the right intention, which is we want to have, you know, clear communication with the other party. We want each other to understand each other. We want to hear what the other person's perspective is. Um, but we want to do it in a way that feels natural and authentic to who we are as a leader and, you know, not following a script or, you know, particularly in the concept of, of feedback, um, you know, people talk about sandwich feedback, I'll give them some good stuff and then the bad stuff in the middle and then finish it the good stuff because it'll make me feel better. Um, but actually, what does the other person, what does, what does your team member need from you in that moment? And I think that's a really good point on the, the importance of trust as well, Jules, that actually the importance of trust in teams with your, with your uh, patient relationships, it were in all of the different relationships you have to actually be able to effectively communicate because sometimes I think we get wrapped up in our own heads of the, the hardness or the scariness of the conversation without actually reflecting on what is the relationship I have with this other person or what is the trust that we have built up over time. And if they, if they shared this thing with me, would I feel as scared as I, I feel having to have that conversation with them or, or vice versa and being able to flip that to and, and think about trust? And, and that comes back to a self-awareness point as well. Um, so how well do you know yourself? Um, how do you know what you're going to respond to? Um, how do you know what you're going to react to? But also what's the mindset that you're bringing in to 
these communications. You know, we've we've all woken up and, you know, you might not feel that great in the morning and you sort of, you know, everything goes wrong in the morning before you get into work and you get into work and you're just not in the right mindset. Um, and the first, you know, issue that comes up, you know, it's really easy to sort of respond flippantly or to snap or anything like that. Um, so I think part of it is for ourselves, making sure we've centred ourselves on the right mindset about how we want to be as a leader and recognising that stuff goes wrong all the time. You know, you can, you can plan conversations, we can plan things that happen during the week, um, but it's about being able to respond to the situation um, proactively and, and in the way that you feel comfortable knowing that, you know, you've done your best at that particular point in time. I love those comments around knowing yourself and how you might react, centering your mindset, your intent. Another key factor in all of this is empathy. And Jules, you've done a lot of work in empathetic leadership and how to lead as a person and not just, as we spoke about earlier, just as a position and a title of leader or or boss potentially. How would you describe empathetic leadership and how can our listeners start trying to bring that into their day-to-day lives, especially if on paper, at least, it is as easy as telling someone you understand their struggles, but in reality, not everybody can actually do that. So how would you describe empathetic leadership and how can our listeners start trying to bring that into their day-to-day lives in their roles? So we'll start with, you know, what's the definition of empathy first? Um, I think a lot of people worry that they Um, can't be empathetic with others if they've not experienced the same issue that that the other person is talking about. Um, And the research that Brene Brown did found that empathy isn't about responding to the experience. It's actually about connecting to the emotions under the experience. So if a, if a patient is coming in to see you and, you know, they're, ex, they're expressing emotions around, you know, fear or anger or frustration or sadness about a particular issue affecting them, you don't need, as the pharmacist, to be able to specifically have been through their exact experience. What you need to be able to do is to connect to that emotion and I think we all, if we if we think about, you know, even if those emotions aren't necessarily shown at work, we, we all know what it feels like to be, you know, have fear or anger or frustration or sadness. Um, and likewise, you know, happiness and joy and satisfaction, you know, things that we might not necessarily always think about in the context of work. Um, so I think when you think about what does empathetic leadership look like, again, sort of stripping it back to basics about not overcomplicating this. This is about how do you connect with people? How do you build that connection, build that trust so that people feel like they're listened, they're heard, um, and that you are connecting with them as people, not just as part of a transaction because I've got to go and see another patient. Um, I think there's there's sort of three things I'd add to you know in terms of practical um, practical things for for pharmacists when they're thinking about that. One comes back to self awareness again. So are you actually going into a conversation and 
and even bring your right mindset of I'm going to focus on this person. I'm not going to be focusing on what the team member's doing over there. I'm not going to be focusing on my mobile phone or the, you know, or the, the piles of banking work that are coming up behind. I'm just going to focus on this particular patient in front of me. So one, that self-awareness bit. Two, I think goes into how well are you listening? So as I said before, you know, you can listen, um, you can listen to what's been said by the other person. But equally, listen to what's not being said. Um, I think this is something that Steph and I see a lot, um, perhaps not so much in the one-on-one conversations, but when working with teams. Um, so as a pharmacist and looking to improve the, the team success, what's not being said in your team um, and what needs to be said? So we often talk about the fact that we help teams get the elephant in the room dealt with. And getting teams to actually have those conversations about the things that aren't said. I think that's a key part of empathetic leadership. Um, And then the other is, you know, the third thing is really about how do you want people to feel when they share something with you and they're trying, you're trying to build that connection. So for instance, each of us has a different way we want people to respond when we share something with them. So if I shared something sad with you that I'm really upset by, um, sometimes I might want a hug, sometimes I might want and just a simple acknowledgement, sometimes I might want you to, you know, chip in and offer solutions. But each time we each want something different from that communication. And so recognising that what each person wants in each particular situation is different And so I know for me, one of the empathetic misses is, you know, people often feel like, oh, I can jump in and help save that person or, you know, offer a solution. Um, That's actually not what people want in the moment. They just want to be heard and they just want to be understood. And so I think that's certainly from my perspective, when I'm thinking about building connection and and communicating with others, particularly when it's over, you know, difficult experiences, I think is just giving people the space um, to actually let the conversation land, acknowledge the feelings and not jumping in to try and fix things or solve the problem for them or, you know, um, trying to work out, you know, what the next steps are. Just actually being still in the moment sometimes is the best thing that you can do. And Jules, I think that's a really interesting and a really good point because I know a lot of people that we work with and certainly I would pharmacists in this this category as well is it's our jobs are to fix problems or to have solutions or to find answers to things so being able to hold that space for whatever the other person needs which may or may not be our help solution assistance guidance advice whatever it needs to be is so important and actually knowing what questions to ask to to understand that it's a great point you make about understanding what reaction needs to happen and how you can be part of that conversation. But how do you actually figure that out? So as you were talking, I was thinking of a conversation I had with my wife on the weekend, a little bit of a difficult situation. And I went into that conversation, sat down, was very conscious about letting her talk and and work through the issues and explain how she felt and, and all that sort of stuff. Men are very predisposed or wired to jump in and fix the problems. We hear about people talking about something going wrong. Well, we can fix that. I sat there. I listened. I, I bit my tongue 
because I wanted her to, to work through some of those things. But then I got in trouble because I didn't say anything. How do we find the balance with people when we don't want to be so overt to just say, well, tell me what you want from me. What are some of those cues or, or things that we need to be looking for to make sure that we do jump in and help when we need to, or empathize with them or cuddle them or cry with them or fix their problem? What can we do about that? The first thing I'd say in that situation is, you know, that sounds really hard. Um, so it's not about trying to find the solution so much um, or get, you know, sometimes the other person can't articulate exactly what they want um, or how they want you to respond. And I guess this is part of the, you know, the, the dance of communication, if you like, is is to actually, it is a two-way um, relationship. It is dynamic. You're looking for cues. Um, but sometimes we just need to ask the question and that comes back to the vulnerability piece about, you know, you might ask, ask your wife, you know, what, do, you know, what would you like me to do? How can, how can I support you? This, this might be, is obviously really hard to talk about. Um, and so, you know, it comes back to the point that we don't have all the answers, um, you know, in different situations, we want people to respond differently. Um, and I think particularly when it's those really challenging, difficult conversations, um, that's when we actually lean, need to lean into the vulnerability even more and say, hey, you know what, I'm here for you. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what you need from me right at the moment, but thank you for sharing. Um, and I'm here for you when you're ready. Yeah, and I think that question there, Jules, around what do you need? or what do you need right now rather than how can I help sometimes is, is also quite powerful because you're you're not adding that burden to the other person, as you say, who might not know what the answer is or might not actually even be looking for a solution at this point in time. But asking that question around what do you need right now, the answer can be a hug or the answer can be I just need them to share. But I think you the other point there that you, you mentioned in passing was acknowledging that the other person has shared the thing, so actually thanking them for trusting you or for, for being able to share that or for feeling comfortable to share that. And it comes back to that perspective taking again, which is if you were in the other person's shoes, what would you want in terms of a response? Um, so again, you know, the, there's no right or wrong answers with all of these things, but you know, the beauty of, of leadership and, and developing and becoming a better leader is that we get to practice these, you know, there's hundreds of moments where we get to practice this every day. And, you know, with leadership, it's not a right or wrong answer. There's often, mm -hmm. I, I encourage people to go and try these things and see how it makes you feel and see what the response is. Um, because it is part of that learning um, process of trying some things on, making sure it feels authentic to you, um, but just going and trying some different language or try a different approach in your team or with a patient and see what the response is and whether that's the sort of thing that actually, you know, whilst it might feel uncomfortable at times, it actually, you think you get a better outcome by doing it that. And so it's, it's better for both people better for both parties. That's what being a leader is all about, trying to help the other people. Some really great advice there. Steph, we all know that culture is a key driver of a team's success, ultimately driving better patient outcomes for pharmacists and their business. In fact, 
On the podcast, we have had several pharmacy leaders talk to us about their team culture and its importance to their success and to their patients and the community and what it actually means to them personally. Are these successful pharmacies, are they thriving because of their leaders and cultures that they help create, do you think? I think there's a, there is a huge correlation when you look at some of the research between culture and, and outcomes and, and success for teams in particular. I like to think of culture as the way we do things around here and there is a huge role of the leader in whilst everyone has a responsibility for that, there is a big role of the leader and I like the Patty McCord, I think it was, from, from Netflix. She was the first person I've heard saying this, whether it's her original content or not, is people can't be what they can't see. So if you're expecting your team members and your, your pharmacy team to act in a certain way and to behave in a certain way, but you're not behaving and acting in those ways, people are going to be looking to you to guide what is acceptable and, and ultimately what is not acceptable and, and how you will work together. So I think this is, this is hugely important to, to building a successful culture and a, a, a great team. However, what I would say is even if you are not the assigned leader or you're, you're going through your, your leadership journey at the moment and you are starting on that, on that path, you can certainly be part of that change and starting to, to find those little, those little small, I think of them as like small acts of resistance sometimes if, you, if there is a bit of a culture that you're, you know, you'd like to change or there's some improvements that could be made around how you can maybe do something different. Maybe you can talk to the patients in a different way or you can change some systems and processes because a lot of the things that we see in, in organizations, this will be the same in pharmacies as it is in, in other industries, is it's actually the, the kind of the systems around how we work that drive a lot of the time the behaviors and things. So sometimes the, the leadership is, is or yeah, the leadership is down to the leader and sometimes it's actually due to the the functions of the systems and processes that we have in place. So not that I like to kind of go go too deep into systems and processes when we're talking about leadership, but there is a huge relationship between them. So I think when it comes down to, to the question around are they thriving because of their leaders and the cultures, then potentially, but there's other things at play as well. And we do have to look at the system more holistically than just the one person or the this whatever you define the, the culture as in that particular pharmacy. Jules and Steph from Speak, fantastic discussion on leadership and some amazing advice and some great insights for the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us, Daniel. It's great to share. Thank you. What a great episode. Thanks, Steph and Julia, for your insights on how pharmacists can build on their existing communication skills to lead their teams and communicate more effectively with their patients. Communication and leadership are an important part of pharmacy practice and building on these soft skills helps pharmacists better serve their community. The Guild would like to thank Upjohn for their commitment to this topic with their sponsorship of today's episode. Guild Learning and Development has developed an education module to complement this podcast and enhance pharmacists' communication skills. If you would like more information or to complete further training, visit guilded.org.au. I've been your host, Daniel Loyston, and you've been listening to episode 54 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.